0: Salvation unto a community. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for the Sunday sermon of May 3rd, 2020, from Christ Church, Jerusalem. In this fourth week of Easter, Deacon Aaron Imey shows us how we are called into a community. Peter exhorted the people of Israel to flee their corrupt generation, but not to wander alone in the wilderness of individuality, but to rejoin the people of God in the unity of the Spirit and of faithfulness. Acts 2 reveals that the unity of the early followers of Jesus was demonstrated through their communal behavior. Living as a disciple of Jesus must be done in the framework of a community. We are saved and rescued into community life as the people of God. Friends, the coronavirus pandemic has affected many across Israel adversely, including our community and ministry. Prayerfully consider making a special donation at this time, so we may continue to minister to the spiritual and physical needs of those around us. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org to give. If you encountered an error on our donate page last week, it has been fixed. Thank you. Now let us begin with the lectionary readings.
1: I will be reading from, from Acts two, thirty-seven through forty-seven. And these are the words of the apostle Peter. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises is to you and to your children, and to all who we are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exalted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of the bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostle. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuously, daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And this is the reading
2: of the Lord. The second reading is taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 23 and verses 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Our third scripture for today, the fourth Sunday in Easter. It's from the Gospel according to John, and it is a tradition which we will honor. Let us rise as we stand and hear the good news of what God is doing through Jesus the Messiah. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger's. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And you will go in and out, and you will find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We're in the season of Easter, and as David mentioned last week, the, uh, the Easter theme, the resurrection, needs more than just one day to celebrate, more than one day to contemplate all its mysteries and all its impacts on human nature and ourselves and creation, So we have a whole season. In fact, it's more than a season. Contemplating the resurrection, contemplating uh, Jesus the Messiah, is actually our lifelong quest something that we do all our lives. And it is not something that we do alone. It is something that we do together. It is something that we do as a community. Holy Week was the most important week in all of human history. It brought about redemption. It brought about salvation. It corrected the fall And how was it proven? It was proven by the resurrection and seen by witnesses, by men, women, and angels. Last week, we began a study in the portion of the lectionary from Acts, where we saw Peter in the temple and he was declaring the resurrection. He was declaring the good news of salvation. He was declaring that you get baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And you receive a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You also called the community to flee a corrupt and evil generation. So people were being called to be saved. They were being called out of a corrupt and evil generation. But how were they to be saved from this generation? Did they have to leave Jerusalem? They have to flee to the hills which is a bit difficult, because Jerusalem is already set on hills. Did they have to hide under a tree and just wait for the rapture? Did they have to go into the desert and build a church? No. They were being called out. Flee. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Salvation has been resolved by Jesus. That is true. And now... Now we become part of a renewed community. Repentance, as David has mentioned last week, is a lifestyle. It is something that you don't just do once. You repent and you keep on repenting. It becomes part of our walk. And it's not something that we do alone. Yes, we do repent by ourselves. We said our prayers of repentance this morning. But we did it also as a group. You also can repent as a community. And this is something that we inherit from the Jewish people. Something that was going on in the synagogue. Something that was going on in the temple. We repent. We are sorry for what we have done. Yes, there will always be something individual. i will get to that. In a minute. But it goes against a fair, a fair chunk of our culture, even to this day. Now, I was listening to a song last week from the 60s. Oof. Not that I was born in the 60s. I was listening to a Simon and Garfunkel song called I Am a Rock. Anyone heard it? Anyone remember it? They were still playing it in the 80s when I was around. I am a rock. I am an island. And if I don't love, I will never get hurt. And if I don't have a friend, I will never feel any pain. It was a theme of isolationism and emotional detachment from a world. And it was a sad world. I am a rock. I am an island. No, I'm not. Even Paul Simon, who wrote that song, even wrote in the sleeve of that album, I don't think like this anymore. For a brief moment in time, too much of our culture thinks, we'll just hide, don't touch anybody, don't be part of anything, don't hurt anyone, don't be careful giving your heart out in love. you get hurt? Yes. Yes, you will. But it's worth it. It was worth it to God, and it's worth it to us. So moving on from the 60s into the... going back to the first century to the second temple period where we find what are our followers of Jesus doing now that the Messiah has come now that the proof of our salvation has been uh, proven by the resurrection what do they do we read about them today's portion from um, the, the Acts of the Apostles chapter 2 where Luke records the behavior of our early community and what were they doing well there was an involvement in fellowship They were together. Did they all think the same? Nope. Did they all agree? Did they all have the same theological opinion of dispensationalism? Did they all agree whether it was once saved, always saved? Or was there free will at all? Nope. And that's actually not the point. You can have different theological positions, and I'm sure we all do. We even do within our families. But that should never stop us from having fellowship. It is not one, two, three, everybody think like me. I mean, heaven forbid anyone thinks like me. But brothers and sisters, do not give up the habit of meeting together. So we see our friends in fellowship together. Breaking bread and praying Now the actual Greek, that's there, uh, Luke records, he records a definite article. What's a definite article, I hear you ask? It's the, the. So they are engaging in the breaking of bread and the prayers. So it's not just something as simple as table fellowship. It's a little bit more. Perhaps it's a hint to an early form of what we call the the Eucharist, the, the thanksgiving, or even the Lord's Supper. And they were continuing in the prayers. Of course they were. As Jews, they would have been well used to praying several times a day. Yes, in the temple, but also in the synagogue, and even at home. And we're going to find many of our heroes in through the book of Acts, sitting on top of rooftops at the hour of prayer, engaging in the prayers. See, so here we have our new community continuing to do what the old community did. But now it had something different. Now it had a purpose. Now it had salvation. Now it had the Holy Spirit. Now it had the teachings of the apostles. Now it had the Messiah. And those are all good things. Now, having lived in Jerusalem for uh, more than 20 years now and uh, before this virus a lot of people would be able to come and they would visit and they would say Aaron, it's great to be here in Jerusalem, I really want to be just like the the early church I I want to go back to the book of Acts and many times I would look at them and look at my charismatic friends and my Pentecostal friends and say I don't think you do I mean, let's have a look at what this early church did. They said that they gathered together in fellowship and they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. What should be our first question to that statement? What about the teachings of Jesus? Shouldn't we devote ourselves to the teachings of the Messiah? Yes, I'm sure they did. But they had the apostles with them. What didn't they have that you have right now? They didn't have the gospels. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're still forming those texts. So it's not something they could sit up and go, here, this is what uh, Jesus said in chapter 3, so let's go do it. So they had to listen, and learn about what Jesus said through the teachings of the apostles. And so we still, in, the, in our prayers and in our creeds, we acknowledge that we believe in one community headed by Jesus the Messiah, And it is apostolic in nature. We acknowledge the Gospels, yes. But we also acknowledge that for us there is also sacred history. We call the book of Acts. And there's also the epistles. So we learn and we study from Paul and Peter and John and the rest. We also notice Acts gives us a very interesting hint. It says that uh, the Apostles Did the signs and the wonders and the miracles? What about everybody else? Had not Peter declared that if you were baptized, you would get forgiven from your sins and you would get the gift of the Holy Spirit? So, who's got the gift of the Holy Spirit? I hope everybody there's raising their hand. Everyone. And yet, who's doing the signs and the wonders? The apostles. What about the other guys? What about them? What do we learn from that? Well, perhaps we learn that the power of the Spirit involves some control, perhaps a level of maturity. Perhaps signs and wonders don't always save people. They're great. They're wonderful. And they will happen within the community. But if we actually are honest and we look at the sacred history, which we call the Book of Acts, Paul, he goes around uh, visiting many churches in Greece and he does miracles. He casts out demons and he heals people. And every time he does a fantastic miracle, what's the result in the book of Acts? They beat the stuffing out of him. Sometimes almost to the point of death. And is he successful? Does he play into church? No, he actually runs and leaves. When he does create a successful community, it was through study and application. Not saying miracles are bad, but don't think that a miracle is what saves you. Jesus saves you. And now you have a gift of the Spirit, but something more. You have a blessing of a community. And what does this community do? We read about it in uh, Acts 2. They're selling their property and they're sharing. Now, this is not an advocation of social Marxism, not an advocation of communism. I'm not saying we should all go live on a kibbutz. That is not what the text is saying. What it is saying is that this community of new believers looked at each other and cared for the welfare of the people that were inside. And if somebody didn't have something, then they shared. They wouldn't leave them alone. They wouldn't leave them uh, helpless. Certainly wouldn't leave them hungry, naked, or without shelter. So they shared all their stuff. If Somebody had several houses. How many did he need? He didn't need six houses. He didn't need two houses. I mean, he needed one. So I could sell the others. And I could share them. And I could give. And that spirit of generosity where you do not ignore your own flesh and blood that is sitting next to you, which you also see in a call from the prophets. What is true fasting, says Isaiah? Is it not to give food to the hungry and clothing to the naked and to not ignore your flesh and blood? And we see the early community embracing this. And they did it. And this is something that we need to do ourselves and to devote ourselves to the teachings of the apostles, teachings of Jesus. Well, what are those? Well, there's this excellent text, which we tend not to read anymore, but the early church had access to it, called the Didache. That little word is going to appear on your screen. It's the Greek word for teaching. The book is called The Teaching of the Apostles. It's probably the first non-canonical Jewish Christian text that we have written about the same time as the book of Revelation. And what's inside of it? It's an excellent look at how the early church behaved. It discusses their Jewish Christian ethics. It discusses baptism, how you baptize people and brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter. They might prefer full immersion, but they'll even baptize you in sand if they haven't even got water. And yet something as simple as baptism tears our community apart now. It shouldn't. It it had some early prayers there. It showed us an early form of the Eucharist, what they were doing as they would break bread and wine. And it discusses fasting two times a day. Boy, I bet. No one ever wants to do that these days. I want to be just like the early church. All right, Wednesdays and Fridays, you can't eat. Stop it. Don't want to do that. But that's what our early brothers and sisters were doing. And it was good for them. And they were also gathering. And where were they gathering? In their house churches? Is that what happened to the early church? It was just a community of house churches? No. It was too darn big. 3,000 people got baptized that first day and more were continuing to be added. So after a couple of weeks, you're looking at a community of five or 6,000 people. There's not a building in all of Jerusalem that can handle such a large gathering, but there was one. Where was it? It was the temple. And so the new community of Jesus did not shun the house of God. Jesus didn't. The early disciples didn't. And so they would gather in the temple not just house churches. They gathered in public. Everyone could see them. Everyone could see their compassion for each other. Everyone could see their spirit of generosity. Everyone could see what the Holy Spirit was doing in their lives. Everyone could see the miracles that were occurring, the healings, the casting out of demons, what it looked like when you actually embraced the forgiveness of sins. And how you behaved after that. And it was attractive. It was attractive to that evil and corrupt generation. And it still is. That message of the Messiah. That hope of a new community. That hope of a renewed life in, a, in the proper pasture, the sheepfold of the Messiah. The community of God is attractive. People are not rocks. They are not islands, and they actually all want to share their love. Everyone wants a friend. So what is the agenda of God? Simply to create the world, send the Messiah, go back to heaven, build a house for you, come back and get you, is that it? Nope. Hebrews reminds us that, Jesus, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, since the Exodus, since the Garden of Eden, has always been building the people of God. And he wants to live with them. He makes Adam and Eve and leaves heaven because he wants to be with them. He saves his people from Egypt. You build me a tent because I want to live with you. And he's going to continue to build his aidah. He's going to continue to build his community and come and live with us. And this does not take anything away from the individual. You do not lose the you. And you can see that in Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible, where God instructs Moses to tell Aaron. Isn't that an interesting little chain of transmission? Aaron, stand up, and I want you to bless the people. And how does he do it? He does it. He, does the, he talks to a group of people in the singular form. Yivarecha Adonai. The Lord bless you. Personal, singular. It's actually grammatically incorrect. If you were studying Hebrew and learning Upan and you had a group of people and you said Yivarecha, not Yivarechem, which would be the correct form, you would get a Fail they would hand back your, your report card and you have a lot of red all over it. But there is the individual. You are of infinite worth to God. He loves you so much that he wants to take you and join you with another group of yous. Us. And we become the people of God not just the person of God, but the people of God. And he wants to live with us. You will get forgiven of sins. And you will get the Holy Spirit. So will I. We will be forgiven. And we will have the Holy Spirit. So God considers us of infinite worth and value, and the Good Shepherd desires that you will have life, and you will have it in abundance, but you will not have it alone. We will go in and out of the sheepfold together. When we are saved, we are saved to a community. It's part of our calling as disciples of Jesus. We have lots of callings, but one of them is to be and join a renewed community, the people of God. Now, if you don't want to join a community, if you want to live your life alone, then don't become a follower of Jesus. Don't become his disciple because that's not his call. His call is, I want you. I love you. You are of such worth. I'm coming to get you and everybody else. For God so loved the world. And he'll join us together. So if you don't want to join the community of God or to join a community, period, then do not become a disciple of Jesus because we are called to each other. That's actually a good thing. Brothers and sisters, particularly in this time period, this is not a virtual community. I mean, it looks like it right now. But this too shall pass. And when it does, when this pandemic is over, do not remain in the virtual world. We are called, brothers and sisters, to emerge out of this, to go and find the saints, to be with each other, to find out what they need. What does your brother and sister need? And then to share it, to give it, to be generous, to be kind, to watch what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us. We need each other. We need to listen to the voice of the shepherd who calls us to be the people of God, a people of God in community, impacting, attractive, generous, powerful, prayerful, and attentive to the needs of each other, empowered by the Spirit, mature and in control. And our Master, the Good Shepherd, said that as he gets his community together, the kingdom of heaven, nothing can stand against that. Brothers and sisters, that is good news. Jerusalem.
0: Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org blessings from the city of the great king.